This is Cancer from A to Z, Episode 2, Back to Basics. Hi, and welcome to the Cancer from A to Z podcast, where we discuss the issues and topics related to a diagnosis of cancer. I'm your host, Dr. Rosalind Morell. Hi, and welcome to episode two of the Cancer from A to Z podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Rosalind Morell, and thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so happy that you're with me on this episode because this is going to be a really good one. And I thought that I would start off the podcast by starting with some episodes that I feel would kind of lay the foundation of what cancer is all about. So in this episode, we're going to go back to basics and talk a little bit about how cancer is caused. So I think it's a great way to start. So let's just get into it. So when we say cancer, what exactly is cancer? Essentially, it's a group of diseases that's caused by genetic mutations. And these mutations occur in genes and they can either be inherited or they can be a result of damage from the environment. So when we talk about cancer, we're talking about it in terms of our body and our body cells and the normal processes that happen in our body in terms of cell growth and cell division. And when the cells in our bodies become old, they die and new cells are formed by the body where they're needed. However, when it comes to cancerous cells, the cells divide, but they don't stop dividing. And then they keep growing and growing and then they can spread to surrounding tissues and organs. So these cancer cells, when they divide, they don't die like they're supposed to because, see, our cells are supposed to die. That's what we call programmed cell death or apoptosis. It's a funny little word, apoptosis, but it's a very, very important concept. And essentially, our cells are programmed to undergo apoptosis. So as I mentioned before, genetic changes occur that can lead to cancer, and it can be a result of damage to the DNA from external sources or external assaults on the cells, or it can be problems with cell division, like I mentioned, and there can be inherited genetic changes. But our body is really an amazing thing, and that's part of the reason why I went into medicine, because our bodies are just amazing. So our bodies actually have certain types of genes that help prevent cancer from forming. And we have genes that are involved in repairing the DNA, which is the genetic material inside each one of our cells. And when it comes to cancer, there are things such as proto-oncogenes that when damaged can turn into oncogenes. Then there are tumor suppressor genes. And finally, DNA repair genes. First, let's talk about proto-oncogenes. They are involved in normal cell growth, but when there are mutations in the proto-oncogenes, they can become damaged, and these damaged proto-oncogenes can then turn into oncogenes. And what actually oncogenes will do is that they increase cell division, and they stop the natural process of cell death. So as I mentioned earlier, our cells are supposed to undergo this programmed cell death called apoptosis. But if a proto-oncogene has been damaged and is now an oncogene, 
that oncogene can then stop that process and can then continue to divide and grow and spread. And they can spread into the surrounding tissues and organs. Now, what about tumor suppressor genes? Now, these genes are responsible for telling the cells to slow down and they help control cell growth. When tumor suppressor genes are mutated, then they get turned off and then the cell can continue dividing and growing. So you can see that a mutated tumor suppressor gene is going to be responsible for those cells continuing to divide and grow. Now, lastly, we have the DNA repair genes, and they are involved in repairing damaged DNA. So as I mentioned earlier, each one of our cells, we all have DNA inside the cell. And our cells are very, very smart, and that when they detect damage in the DNA, certain pathways get turned on and that damage is then repaired. But when DNA repair genes are mutated, they can allow other mutations to occur in the cell because the cell does not detect the damage, and then that can lead to cancer. So you can see how our genes are very important in controlling what should be happening in our bodies and what shouldn't be happening in our bodies. And these different types of genes that I just talked about, when they are damaged, they can then lead to cancer. So I think this is a nice segue into talking about the different types of tumors. There are essentially two main types of cancers, that being the solid tumors, such as breast cancer, lung cancer, brain cancer, And then there are the liquid cancers, such as leukemia. And for the majority of this podcast, I'm going to be focusing on the solid tumors. And it's not to say that leukemia and those types of cancers are not important, because absolutely they are. But for the purposes of this show, we're going to be mostly talking about the solid tumors. So let's talk about what happens after an initial cancer diagnosis. And I think it's a good way to start by talking about who are the doctors involved in your care. And essentially, that's going to be a surgical oncologist, a medical oncologist, a radiation oncologist, and there may potentially be other types of oncologists, such as neuro-oncologists, and then you have pediatric oncologists who are taking care of children. And then, of course, you're going to have the very, very important other health professionals, such as nurses, social workers, cancer navigators, and the list goes on. But for now, let's kind of get into the details of what a surgical oncologist would do right after an an initial cancer diagnosis versus a medical oncologist versus a radiation oncologist. And I think one of the easiest ways to illustrate this is to take an example of one type of cancer. So Let's say you are or you have just recently been diagnosed with breast cancer or a mammogram or an ultrasound or a breast MRI picked up an abnormality in the breast or maybe you felt a lump in the breast. What would happen next in terms of what physician would you see? After the suspicious mass, lesion, or abnormality is either felt or seen, you would probably be referred to a surgeon. It could be a general surgeon or it could be a breast surgeon, but nonetheless, they're usually surgeons and a lot of 
surgeons who focus on cancer will call themselves surgical oncologists. And they're extremely important because a lot of the different cancers, surgery is what we call the mainstay of treatment, meaning it's the main treatment. And then you may receive additional treatment either before the surgery or after the surgery, such as chemotherapy or radiation. So the surgeon is going to be a very important part of the oncology team. Next is a medical oncologist. And generally, a medical oncologist has been trained in internal medicine, and then they have done a fellowship in hematology and oncology. And they either take care of the blood cancers and the solid tumors, or some just focus on one or the other. But medical oncologists essentially administer chemotherapy, as well as other drugs such as immunotherapy and endocrine therapy, which we'll talk about at a later date. And they are also very important part of the cancer team, and they will be instrumental in making sure that the patients are seeing additional physicians or additional specialists, such as radiation oncologists, which is the area that I practice. So I'm a radiation oncologist, and I am also part of the oncology care team. And that is because a lot of patients who are diagnosed with cancer will at some point receive radiation therapy. And the stats primarily have been that about approximately 60% of all cancer patients will at some point see a radiation oncologist and receive radiation therapy. And so as a radiation oncologist, what I am doing is that I am using large machines called linear accelerators that essentially use ionizing radiation in therapeutic doses to eradicate the cancer. And the radiation therapy can kill the cancer, thereby hopefully curing the patient if they're still within the stages of cancer where it can be cured. And sometimes we are using the radiation in a palliative way, which is where patients may not be curable, but yet they're in pain or maybe there's some bleeding going on and we need to control that. And sometimes that is also what radiation is used for. So those are the main types of physicians who are going to be involved in the care of the patient who's been diagnosed with cancer. And again, we have other individuals, other health professionals who are absolutely important and are important as part of that care team. And that specifically would be nurses and cancer navigators, as well as social workers, nutritionists, pharmacists. There are a lot of people who are involved in making sure that people and patients and caregivers, friends and family members are getting the support and the treatment that they need. So I think knowing who it should be on your team is really important because everybody brings something to the table. Everybody is important in terms of making sure that we are taking care of the whole patient and giving them the opportunity and giving them the resources that they need to try to manage this illness. Okay. Now that we have laid the foundation a little bit, it might be good to talk about how cancer is staged. But to be honest, 
staging cancer is very complex. But essentially, it is based on what we call the TNM staging system. T stands for tumor, N stands for nodes, and M stands for metastasis. But it gets even more complicated than that because cancers arising in different organs are staged differently. For some cancers, it's based on the size of the tumor, whereas for other cancers, it may be staged based on the depth of invasion through the wall of that particular tissue. Let me give you an example. Let's go over the staging for rectal cancer. So again, T stands for tumor, N stands for nodes, and M stands for metastasis. For example, with rectal cancer, for a T1 tumor of the rectum, that tumor is invading the submucosa through the muscularis mucosa, but not into the muscularis propria. Now, those are the layers of the rectal wall. For a T2 tumor, that tumor is invading the muscularis propria. For a T3 tumor, the tumor is invading through the muscularis propria into perirectal tissues. Now let's look at breast cancer. For a T1 tumor, that tumor is usually less than or equal to 20 millimeters in greatest dimension. And then you have subcategories such as T1A, T1B, T1C, all based on size. A T2 tumor is going to be a tumor that's greater than 20 millimeters, but less than or equal to 50 millimeters in greatest dimension. And a T3 tumor is going to be greater than 50 millimeters. Then you have the nodal staging and the M staging, again, standing for metastatic in terms of the categories. And then we take all of this information and we group it into the overall stages, such as stage one, stage two, stage three, and stage four. Okay, so you can see how the staging is different for these two disease sites. And all of this information is contained within the AJCC Cancer Staging Manual. And AJCC stands for American Joint Committee on Cancer. And the latest edition is the eighth edition. This information can change with the new editions that are coming out. And I remember when I was in training, at that time it was the seventh edition. And as a resident in radiation oncology, we had to memorize every disease site and all of the staging for all of that. But the newest edition, again, is the eighth edition. And so there are times when things change in terms of how the cancers are staged. So that is just a quick rundown of how cancer is staged. And we're going to be coming back to that again and again in future episodes. All right. Well, I thank you for joining me today. And I hope this information helps you have a little bit of a better understanding of how cancer starts, the medical professionals who may be on your care team, and how cancer is staged. I look forward to our next episode. And until then, be well. Thank you for listening to the Cancer from A to Z podcast. And if you enjoyed this episode, I would love it if you subscribed and left a review. And if you know anyone who could benefit from this information, please share the podcast with them. Until next time, I am your host, Dr. Rosalind Morell.